This episode is brought to you by Jordan Fihaki, Fearless Wayfinders. We just want to tell you thank you for your generous donation and your continued support. We see you, fam. What we doing it for? We doing it for the culture. For the culture. seriously feel like we need to come up with like a rap <laughs> every time we just pretend like we're about to go you into can't a deny flow. that beat you know that beat slap right on shout out to rocky shout out to rocky rocky revere you what it do What's over up? here awakening the inner rapper in both <laughs> it's like we feel it but nothing no words come out no it's bars like, no bars <laughs> all right <clears throat> i haven't had a would you rather in a minute so i'm gonna hit y'all with a would you rather okay it's a relationship, would you rather question? Because, you know, it's all about, you know, it's cuffing season. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> Cupcake, no feeling. <laughs> all right, listen. Would you rather get dumped through a text message or in front of all the homies? The homies. Woo! Yeah, because at least, at least it's face to face. You know, I think I would prefer that versus uh, the text message. That's like getting fired on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Craig. I'm all, that did kind of happen to me. Remember when I was at the? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So you rather? Yeah, I rather dumped in front of all your homies. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you know, Damn. I could I could take that the I could take the clowning and. Or whatever comes of it, but you wouldn't think it'd be. Yeah, it would be. Maybe it would be embarrassing, but I think it would. It might be devastating to hmm. be broken up via text because it's like, damn, you don't even respect me enough, or like, have, you can't even have the last word. Like, you know, you don't have like a. Uh, you don't have the. What's the What's the word? I don't want to say balls because <laughs> <laughs> trying to address toxic masculinity <laughs> uh, the courage yeah you know don't even have the courage or the or the respect or you're not even that kind of person to that's true do that face to face you know it's got to be through a text message that's some sucker shit <laughs> okay i'd say probably over text message Ooh. but i think that's because i like to grieve in private mm and that would give me an opportunity to handle my feelings in mm. a private setting mm-hmm. yeah. where I think if it happened in front of the homies, like I'd put on a, sh- I'd be putting on a face, like I'm chill, mm-hmm. but like on the inside, I'd be like, dying. all I want to do is deal with this on my own in my own way. Um, and so f- for me, I think at least like I, but I feel, I agree with what you're saying about like, you ain't even got the respect to, dummy face to face yeah but then maybe that also helps you get over it because you're like why am i even worrying about this person exactly if they yeah. don't even like me enough to dummy face to face yeah yeah so it might also like over text it's like why am i even hurting over you is it and at least you with the homies because it's like okay well fuck you then yeah. <laughs> we we out you know let's go um let's go hang out let's go help me cope and yeah. you know they're gonna be there of course the, they'll clown yeah but then they'll also be there and say you know fuck that motherfucker yeah. you know 
you don't need them. I don't know. It, it, you would have the support there mm-hmm. either way. And the support could look like being clowned on and being roasted, but it also is like they're there yeah. with you to cope with you through the through the breakup or through the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. What about you, partner? <clears throat> yeah, I think I would rather be dumped in front of my friends, in front of the homies. Uh, probably because I I'm I'm a private person as well and I prefer it to be private but because I know myself when I'm hurt like I would rather like my friends see that I was hurt mm. so they know how to take care of me because if I was to deal with this on my own my friends probably wouldn't know how to reach out to me because one I'm like isolating myself right I'm yeah. giving them like a half-ass story you know just my version and versus if they were to witness something they would just kind of know I seen him, I seen her, I seen you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And would you even say anything? You know, yeah. like if it would happen in private, you could just be walking around and like Exactly. Something's different about Bex. Mm-hmm. What's going on in you? Yeah, so I it's tough because you know, you deal with the embarrassment and the shame, then you're gonna have to learn how to heal from those things as well as he- healing from a, a, a broken heart. You mm-hmm. know, so there's there's some extra stuff that we gotta do when I feel like I gotta do when I'm embarrassed, when I'm, if I'm, if someone's gonna break up with me in public, you know, there's that extra healing mm-hmm. versus if you were um, getting, if it was just a text message, you're just healing just with the breakup and not the embarrassment and the shame and all that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, that's just what I choose to really deal with. You know, I'm gonna say, okay, you know what, I'll deal with fucking healing through the tr- the embarrassment and shame and all that because I just rather it be done publicly or not publicly but in front of the homies for just a lot of reasons so my homies can see and also so shit I, I need to know <laughs> I'm the type to be like what the fuck like <laughs> baby oh, girl <laughs> baby girl we was just good an hour ago <laughs> like what the fuck happened yeah yeah that's true that's true so it's 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 gonna kill you to not know at least for me so for me it's been a minute since I've had to go through I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like who the fuck breakups and who break who breaks up with anybody anymore I know right I feel like people be ghosting you know just and that's like their breakup like get the hint no that's cause a, even that's that a, shit even that shit real. is whack who breaks that might up be nowadays? even more whack than a text message is just like to ghost a motherfucker that's <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, this. I mean, I've only ever, besides my husband, I've only dated two other people. Mm. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with breakups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the, my first boyfriend, our breakup was very public. And that, I think, was a lot harder on me. But I was also so young, you know, yeah. like I was 19. I was 18, I think, actually. So it was like... I wasn't emotionally prepared to handle a situation like that, especially in public. So Mm -hmm. it's for me, maybe that's why now I'm more. Yeah. I grieve privately. And I respect that. I could dig it. I respect that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Good. Good perspective. All right. I have a um, top bottom verse because, you know, I love doing this stuff. I like to test that. I I wonder if we're like the ones. Cause remember we did this when it was like first we did fuck Mary kill mm-hmm. and then Lee came through and was like I don't want to kill anybody so we're Let's just gonna banish. banish them. That's why I love Lee. But the top bottom verse thing, I feel like we might have coined this. <laughs> this might really? be a game that mm. people are gonna play from well, here on out. It's nice because everybody gets some, right? Like all three. I was just. I, I thought he was freaky, Amanda. <laughs> I was just telling. 
I was just telling a friend of mine um, about us doing the uh, the top bottom verse. But before I told her, I was like, yeah, we got this segment that we're doing. It's like a, a fuck Mary Banish. And she was like, what is it? Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I was Damn. like, uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It is fuck, fuck, It's a fuck. win, win, win. But there's different situations. <laughs> so go ahead, partner. What you, you okay. got top bottom verse? You know, I had to throw this one back in, in our little top bottom verse because it's just by popular demand. You feel me? So I'm going to name three people and you go ahead and just do whatever you feel like you want to, how you want to categorize them. Okay. You know the top bottom verse. Yeah. I do, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Because you're a faithful listener. <laughs> Shout out to Amanda. Okay, so the first runner up, the wonderful and beautiful and talented Miss Veronica. He stayed throwing her <laughs> on in. You feel me? I got well, her. Well, it's easier to here in front of my face. She didn't even make it a whole week. I know. She's back you know Okay. <laughs> I'm always going to throw Veronica in there. She know it. This fool. Okay, so Veronica. Okay. Um, Shamar Moore. Ooh, that's my boy. You know Shamar oh, dang. Moore. Yeah. yeah, you took it back. Yeah. I'm a big criminal mind. That was fan, her. So. Yeah, okay. See. Okay, and I'm a, let me throw in Michael B. Jordan. Oh. I'm giving yours. I got that sharp yeah, inhale. I put it. <laughs> her, double, her daddies, double daddies. <laughs> double daddies. Michael B. Jordan. Shamar Moore. And Veronica. Amanda, you go ahead. Okay. I gotta say, I would top Shamar. Because, like, you know, I want that connection. Oh, I'm telling your husband, I want to see... I want to see his face. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, ooh, you want him to uh, look back at it? <laughs> I, I, I would probably verse with Veronica. Ooh. Okay. See? And then that would be bottom for Michael B. Jordan. Of course he would. Of course he would. <laughs> I can see that. That actually is a great... I feel like that's my answer, too. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's mine, too. I like that one. I would bottom for Michael B. And then I would top for Shamar. And then... Not Riri. Uh, Veronica, <laughs> she will always be a verse, even though I even nah, though you I talked wasn't to her last time. Fool. No, she taught me. I oh yeah, because it was Riri. It was Riri and Veronica. I had to choose yeah, Riri. That's tough. So I feel like Riri is always first. Not to say anything wrong with Veronica, but they're both hot. What you got, partner? Uh I would I think I would top Veronica. Damn you. Bottom for Michael B. Jordan and verse with Shamar Moore. <laughs> Yo, what? <laughs> I, was, I was working it all out of my head like mm, yeah no thanks Shamar Moore that's old school <laughs> he just he's like a fine wine he just gets better with age okay I got I got one top bottom verse oh, 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 oh. a new one a pastor okay. a monk and a nun bam <laughs> you going to hell <laughs> pastor a you monk Jesus. and a nun top bottom verse Really? Yeah, a pastor, a monk, and a nun. That's it. Hurry up. You go first. <laughs> the fuck? I, I, I ask a question. I'm always last. Amanda, go ahead. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm almost like, I don't want to think too much about That's, it. That's, oh my You just answer it fast, girl. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to, like, <laughs> just, I feel like I would verse a nun because <laughs> I feel like. 
I would verse a woman always. Ooh. Like I'd be more interested in that's that with a woman. That's so that kind scissors. of. But then I don't <laughs> I do know the, the other two. It's kind of a toss up. Like, girl, a monk. Come on, one way or the other. Remember, a monk and then a pastor. I gotta say, probably bottom for a pastor, there top for a monk. Yep. That's mine too. That's exactly Pastor it. Pastor all about that missionary, right? Yeah. <laughs> that shit, that's fucking boring. <laughs> you know, okay. go okay. ahead. I'm going to top the pastor. Ooh, why? What the fuck do you mean why? <laughs> I'm going to top the pastor. I'll bottom for the monk because the monk, you know. <laughs> but the monk is what? Monkey. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> and then I'll verse with the nun. Ooh. Sister Mary Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, brother, that was gross. That was, I mean, that was gross, but, you know, I was, I was like, oh, that's a, I like that. So I knew you would do that. I, it would be the pastor. I felt like I already knew you was going to top the pastor. I just knew it. You just want to be like, <laughs> whoa whoa you're projecting now you're projecting partner <laughs> i would actually yeah if it was a priest i would have topped the priest what's, priest. what's the diff well, different i feel what's like the priest, diff? Are, I mean, priest and pastor are different to me they're how different. just just is yeah they they're different beliefs uh, to me my experience with priests and pastors i think they're just different th- names because they're different uh faith not different faith because they all they all believe in Jesus Christ. Mm. Just, Something about the, I mean, Catholicism. Not the training, yeah, but like the process they go the through. The process, the the way in which they worship. Yeah, it's just different. Same fucking thing. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. What it do, Kaipu? This your host, D-Boy. My your host, Bex Bumble. Welcome to For The Cultures Podcast, man. Yeah. It's another great episode we got lined up for y'all. If y'all haven't uh, figured it out by now, we got uh, our special guest in the building, Miss Amanda Stowers. Yay. What it do? Miss Amanda of Afakasi Prince. How you doing this morning? I'm Welcome. good. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. It's good to have you here. Thank you for... Being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's the holidays. On this early rainy day. It's the holidays, you know, so I mm-hmm. know people's schedules is all, you know, filled with like trying to get that right. last minute shopping in and mm-hmm. everything and just prepare for the holidays. And your boo out here shopping, right? Yeah, he's out at the Great Mall right now. See? He's, we're going to actually go see his family tomorrow. And he's the- he's a procrastinator, so... <laughs> We're doing Christmas with them tomorrow, so. Ooh. I mean, I feel a little shade because I got to go get some <laughs> gifts, too, after this. Yeah, Shit. they're going to listen to this next week, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Those last-minute gifts, last-minute gifts. Is though. he a smart shopper, or is he be like, yeah, whatever it is here. He's, he's a smart shopper. Okay. He good. thinks about it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, I good, think, good. I think too much about it. Well, it's good to have you here, Amanda. Uh, just a brief bio, Amanda Stowers is an Afakasi artist living in San Francisco. Mm. She runs her own creative business, Afakasi Prints, mm-hmm. where her Pacifica designs are inspired by her Polynesian background. She specializes in relief printmaking, but has also expanded her work to include murals and workshops with the hopes of spreading a deeper understanding of her culture mm. in the United States. Representation of her people and her culture is her driving force. Mm-hmm. Straight up and down. Hey, straight, straight up, up and, and down. down. And I think it's really, uh, 
it's really good to have you here because I became introduced to you and your work through Epi and Fanga with mm-hmm. Samoan Solutions. I believe you held a workshop. I did. When they were doing their series before the Fango Samoa? Yes, I did. Yeah, Epi reached out to me, and I. Um, that's really where this whole community started for me, being involved in the PI community in the Bay Area. Like, I got a shout-out to Epi and Fanga because yeah. it's them bringing me in to do that workshop for Samoan Solutions that I've grown into this Bay Area PI community. So mm. it's really all thanks to them, mm. you know, Samoan Solutions, mm-hmm. making moves out that's there. What's up. Yeah, being making moves, oh, man, they've been... They've been holding us down. Right. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Epi and Fanga. How long have you been in the Bay Area? For about six years. So my husband is originally from the Bay. Okay. We met in Southern California where I grew up, and he wanted to be closer to family. Right. His family lives in the North Bay. Okay. So um, we moved up to SF. So we've been here about six years. And, uh, yeah. Mm. My, uh, my brothers, I have three older brothers. They're all actually originally from the Bay. Oh, okay. So they were all born here. My parents met in the Bay Area. Okay. My dad came over here from New Zealand um, in his early 20s, mm-hmm. and he came to the Bay, and then my mom was living here. She's actually, she was raised in Alabama, oh. and she moved up here to the Bay when she was 19. Mm. So they met here, and they lived here a really long time, which is why all three of my brothers were born here. Mm-hmm. And then the 89 earthquake hit, Yeah. and my parents lived really close to the epicenter. Oh, shit. Mm. And... My youngest brother was only a month old at the time, Mm -hmm. and so really freaked my mom out. Like, she had a lot of trouble living in earthquake country. Yeah. So they moved to Denver. Colorado? Yeah, because my dad has a lot of family out in Denver. Yeah, there's a lot of Samoans out there. Yeah, so they moved to Denver. That's why I was born in Denver. Oh, shoot, okay. So I was born there, and then when I was seven, we moved back to California. So I grew up in Southern California. Mm. Mm. So cowgirl. <laughs> but it all connects back to the Bay. Like, yeah, my brothers are from here. This is where my parents met, and my husband's from here. Mm. And now I live here. So, Bay, the Bay all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good to have you here, man. Now we'll get into a lot more uh, as we chop it up with you throughout this episode. But as we always do, we like to ask our guests if they. Um, would offer up any anything to ground us in this episode, whether it be a quote, a poem, a proverb, anything that moves your heart. Yeah, so I brought a poem by Kim Dapalos. Mm. She's a Filipino poet. She works out at Skyline College hey, um, through their uh, hip-hop community cipher hip-hop program that they have there. And she also does counseling and stuff. Um, What's that program called? It's Rock the Bells, right? Or Rock the School Bells is the Rock event the that they bell. do every March. Oh, dope. Um, but then I think Cypher is the name of the program there. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I have her. She has a published book of poetry, Delilah's Daughter. Mm. So I brought that with me. There's a there's a passage in here that really stood out to me, so I wanted to, to read it to ground us. So Thank you. And I can teach you in my tongue to not be afraid of this beautiful brown history, to not be afraid of our beautiful brown people. We cannot be afraid of the brown in our love. Mm. KD. Come on. Hey. What comes up for you? You, like, yeah, that one's got layers. That yeah. does. That's, <laughs> I feel the fuck out of that. Would you, oh yeah. Would you mind reading that one more time? I'm yeah, sorry. for sure, for sure. That was really dope. And I can empowering. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. no, no, for sure. And I can teach you in my tongue to not be afraid of this beautiful brown history, 
to not be afraid of our beautiful brown people. We cannot be afraid of the brown in our love. Mm. <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, what's coming up? That's what's coming up for all of us. That I know. was powerful. Yeah. I mean, I think I select it resonates with me and I selected it because for a long time I didn't feel comfortable calling myself brown. Mm. And it's not because I have any issues against it. It's just like my own personal journey being Afakasi, mm-hmm. being raised in a Palangi community. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it I had to sort of come into my own to feel comfortable calling myself brown, calling myself a person of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that like really resonated with me of, you know, our beautiful brown people Word. and the brown in our love, you know? Yeah. What, why it resonates with me or what I'm taking away from that is that there's power in the tongue, right? And there's power yeah. in the words that we we share and we say and thinking about our history and self-love and how we, ex- not how we accept ourselves, but how we love ourselves, like all of this history that's connected to us, our ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about ancestry and we talk about culture and we talk about uh, our people pre-colonization, um, it almost seems like we exoticize the fact of what we used to be like before contact Mm -hmm. with Europeans as if our shit was perfect. And I'm always reminded by the, from the conversation we had with Rocky about like, you know, we can't act like our shit was, was perfect. Um, before the Europeans came, you know, we had our own shit going on, but all of that history, there's, there's power in it and there's beauty in it. And it's, it's what makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, should wear it with pride. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, partner? Anything coming up for you? I <clears throat> I just really, I really like the, I think towards the end, like where it speaks really just kind of like on the color of our love, you mm-hmm. know, it's brown. I think, I think just, I think we tend to forget just the place of where we come from when, when as far as like where we where we how we love people mm-hmm. you know and i tend to like i've had this like view of like the way i love is like it kind of models kind of like just what i've learned through the bible and like a lot of that kind of was also taught in like through like a lot of the lens of white people you know so like i've always kind of loved through that lens mm-hmm. and just how i was taught in church and bible college you know and then I really kind of lost sight in the way how my family loved, how our culture loved, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like the brown love that I felt like I was used to seeing. And I, just listening to that, I'm like, damn, I want to love. I want to make sure that the color of love that I'm portraying or putting out there is brown love, you know. And I don't know what fully that looks like, but I think of, when I think of, when I hear brown love, I hear my my parents' love. Mm-hmm. I hear like a lot of just my ancestors. I hear like how my sisters and them like love me. I just think of a lot of things that I just don't normally kind of like pinpoint as like, dang, that's brown love right there, you know? <laughs> or the way our people, the way our culture loves each other, you know? It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's intense love. Like, it's, I, feel like. I, I agree. I feel like brown people love differently. Like all about the family, mm-hmm. you know, like our cultures are all about the family and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have some friends that are like, damn, like, you're so close with your family. Like, it's weird. 
it's mm-hmm. weird how much like you've got that family group text where you tell each other everything mm-hmm. yeah. like everything we're doing we're like you know hyping each other up like yeah. going into this podcast you know my yeah. whole family's like you know and I, a lot of people i know aren't like that with their families yeah and i think that's part of it too yeah. like <clears throat> and like our love is like we'll be hella irritated off of like the shit that our family be asking of us like mm-hmm. especially when it comes to funerals or like stuff that like they need money on some some random stuff it's like we'll get pissed off but because but like i feel like brown love will like overlook a lot of things and be like you know what i'm irritated that i have to pull out money because i'm gonna be broke for like the next two weeks but i'm gonna fucking give you the money you can support you like here go get it yeah it. yeah we still always follow through because at the end of the through. day we're family yeah like well, that's it it's just we're family at the end of the day and we will always look at everything through the lens of like your family you about to pull out another one? No, no, nah, nah, I'm just looking at it again. I'm really it's... taken back by it. And her, everything she writes is, hits hard like that. Like, really? she's, yeah, she's so I mean, because it's, it's applicable, you know, like, just even thinking, like, we're talking about brown, 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 you know, and what's coming up for me, I'm thinking about, like, colorism, right, and how mm. you were saying that you, you, Amanda, were not able to identify, or not identify, but that you were scared to call yourself brown or mm-hmm. accept that that of yourself and how that's real. Yeah. It's like, I felt like I wasn't worthy of it Mm -hmm. um, because not only being off Akasi, but again, like being raised in a white community. Yeah. um, And uh, what do they refer to that as like white presenting? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm fair skinned. mm -hmm. Like if a lot of people either just assume I'm white or I think just because we live in California, um, I'm assume I'm Hispanic. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. usually what I is what people will assume. Yeah. Um, but I never get anyone like assuming I'm Samoan or assuming I'm Polynesian. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm white presenting, and but um, do they kind of do do they kind of like assume when you when you show your tattoo though? Yeah, it's when I have my tattoos out is when um they pe- can put it together. Right. Like, oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. She's off Gussie. Yeah. <laughs> she has some Samoan. I mean, this I'm just gonna this first part though. That's this yeah. is the realest shit you know I, and i can teach you in my tongue to not be afraid of this beautiful brown history there's so much history that we don't know about and it's you know it's important for us to not only learn it but but to give it to others you know yeah. to chop mm-hmm. it up with them about this beautiful history that we come from not to change anything but to but to just let it marinate with us and and contextualize of like how it how it intersects with our ancestors and where mm-hmm. we come from and it's just a part of us so thank you thank you for sharing thank that you. yeah thank you so much thank you kim for writing those beautiful right? words Word. shout out kim uh you know on our on our news feeds this week we've seen this article come up um about the u.s federal court ruling uh giving samoa american samoa citizenship Mm-hmm. Um, and this is because three individuals from American Samoa who reside in Utah um, have put together a lawsuit suing um, suing the federal court, you know, to give American Samoan citizenship because American Samoa is the only uh, U.S. territory uh, that is not considered U.S. citizens. They are considered U.S. nationals. Mm. And so they have limited... Um, limited rights in terms of like you know they can travel back and forth and they can vote on certain things but they can't vote for the u.s president Mm. um 
but also an important fact to state is that uh, American Samoa is heavily recruited for the U.S. military, mm-hmm. um, in which a lot of folks, you know, do go mm-hmm. in, and then they also have one of the highest casualty rates from, you know, mm-hmm. war and whatnot. And so, I this is not the first time it's been in the, you know, in the limelight. Mm-hmm. You know, there was... It, this is a conversation a few years ago about birthright citizenship. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, discourse around, you know, it being detrimental to Samoans because uh, they could, they could lose their land, mm-hmm. you know? And so then this, this pops up and there's, you know, this whole, there's a lot of conversations happening on social media. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of questions. And I just see our folks in an uproar with this, right? And, there's a lot of articles going out, going around that folks are sharing and hopefully reading, which I need to do. <laughs> um, but I'm just, you know, just understanding the gist of what's happening is that these th- these three folks, you know, they want citizenship for American Samoa. But what I've seen come out of American Samoa is that, like, that's not what they want. That's not what they want. They want and they're, you know, they're concerned because of the whole Someone governance and uh, land ownership, and if they become citizens, does that mean that they're going to lose right. their land? Their land, mm-hmm. and um, then I think there's a concern too of losing the language and yeah, losing, losing the culture. Yeah. And I think the language, from my understanding, is something that's already starting to happen. Um, I this isn't something I've experienced firsthand, but I've heard from a couple of different people that, um, you know. They don't teach Samoan in some of the schools, I think is my understanding. Or a lot of kids only speak English and they don't know the language. And so I think that people are worried about that. That's, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because um, I guess there is that, but I don't I don't know how true that is, you know, because mm. I know that. Yeah, I don't, again, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of stuff I've seen. But essentially, I think that's the that's the concern is that, you know, the loss of land and then the loss of uh, culture and language to the point of where it just becomes super American. Right. And. I I, I don't know, like there's so many things that come up and there's 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 so many people who are posting their thoughts on this piece. And I just wanted to bring it to the table to see what comes up for us because honestly for me you know this is alarming for and i agree with some of those um those same sentiments of like does this mean that they'll lose their land Mm -hmm. you know what's happening with land right now in the islands because i know that there's also a lot of discourse around um asian you know asians coming in and acquiring land or like trying to Uh, get into families, you know, and marry into families and then they'll be able to uh, own land that way, inherit the land. Yeah. Or even marry into it and just be able to have rights to the, to the land. And I know it's not only happening in Samoa, but I've heard about this in in Tonga as well. Um, And I'm sure it's, you know, all over the Pacific and this ain't nothing new, you know, they've been, things like this have been happening. And so, but what I've been, what I was recognizing is that, like, yes, well, this is a hot topic, and you know, folks are having conversations about this. For me personally, I'm just sitting back and 
trying to take it all in and understand it because I'm not too savvy on, you know, mm-hmm. like politics in the sense of understanding like what it means when they, you know, for them to go to court. Because mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, like before I would feel like, damn, that's messed up. Why is American Samoa the only place that is um, where folks are considered nationals and not citizenship? And so they're not given the same rights, but right. yet uh, highly militarized, heavily exploited, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. shit. We can think about the NFL coming through, you know, and like wanting wanting the Samoan body, yeah. the male Samoan body to be um in the league to bring their team to victory right Mm. just these kinds of things of how we're exploited in this sense and what's concerning to me about this case is that these three people are fighting for citizenship but um it's not just for them it's for the whole island and you know they should i I feel like if whatever american samoa want to do i'll back that up right Mm-hmm. It's not about like what I met people from American Samoa here on the continent want for them over there. Uh-huh. You know, I don't, I think that's messed up. And so would it be different if these three were not in living in Utah, but they were in Samoa pushing for the same thing? I don't know. I mean, again, if that's what American Samoa wants, wants yep. you know, like it's got to I don't know. I would assume it to be a movement, you know, but these mm. are just three folks who are here. And, you know, I read in this article, the Newsweek, it, you know, some of the stories that he was sharing. He was, he was um, I, I think his name is uh, fucking John. But John shared a testimony saying like, oh, yeah, you know, there was this one time I was at work and, you know, some of his coworkers was teasing him saying, you know, like, oh, he, you're not a citizen. You're an alien. And he said, I was embarrassed by that. And I was like, mm-hmm. bro, you're bringing a lot of your trauma. And like, you're, it's like these three are, you, are wanting access, their gain their their potential gain is going to be a cultural loss, you know, a whole culture's loss. And it's like, they're just thinking about, I feel like they're just thinking about like their personal gain, not even looking at the whole view of like, but there's things at risk that we are going to lose as a culture, as people, you know, like land and stuff like that, you know? So it's just like listening to his stories, like he's over here affected by somebody's joke. Like that's what was shared in this article. They were making light of him, like, you're not a citizen, you're an alien. He's like, Mm -hmm. I know they were kidding, but that did hurt. I mean, because that's (laughs) problematic to call somebody an alien. Right. You know, I mean, that fucking goes into the whole conversation about um, uh, immigration and immigrants. And if you're not born here in the U.S., then you're foreign, you're alien. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. Mm -hmm. government has used that language before of, like, anybody born outside is alien. So then you're otherized for uh, being born in a different country. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, just this whole complicated relationship, right? Like what I've seen in the conversation um, on the Internet in our community is that folks are saying like, you know, history, right? Thinking about history. I don't know. I don't know um, all of this, but I know that there was a treaty signed between, you know, Paramount Chiefs in mm. American Samoa and the U.S. and that this was the the best, I guess, uh, move that they can make for mm. their people at the time because this was, you know, the U.S. acquired U.S. Um, U.S. American Samoa in uh, during the times of, I don't know if it was like World War uh, One mm. or World War Two. I think it was one. Yeah, World War One, And 
it was all uh, strategy for them fighting against uh, China. And this was the best move that they could make for their people uh, not to be acquired and for them to still be able to uh, have some sense of ownership over their Mm -hmm. islands, over their homelands. But... (laughs) Yeah, it's tough, too, because I think not everyone's going to want the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really two sides of it. And um, I don't think there is like a communal, we all want this mm-hmm. side of it. I think each for each individual person impacted in mm-hmm. American Samoa, like everyone has, because of how, what they go through, what their lives are, whatever their reasons are, have yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, see the one side of the coin of we're going to lose the culture. We're going to lose the land. Yeah. We're going to lose the language. And then there's the other side of the coin of like, you want to recruit us. Yeah. You're going to mm-hmm. let us die in the name of your country, but you're not going to let us vote for your president. Right. right. Um, And so it's tough because I can see both sides of it. And I think it's going to be one of those things where there is no right answer yep. because I think ev- there's going to be people that want one or the other. Yeah. But there's something to say though about, about those who may want it right because if for those who want it and this is a conversation i was having with my my folks earlier uh, via text in our group text was that you know something to think about is like for us to look at hawaii mm-hmm. uh, look at guam right and how the the land was acquired and look at how hawaii has become you know um a state now right and there's so many people fighting for sovereignty to get their land back. Yeah. They no longer own it. And that was a whole, you know, that was a whole ordeal with uh, losing their land because then, you know, the culture, you know, the culture um, was starting to be lost and the language was starting to to be lost. Mm-hmm. And there was the, a resurgence of folks who were fighting to reclaim that and get that back. Mm-hmm. And it's a con. It's you know just been a constant battle of like standing up for sovereign rights for native mm. Hawaiian folks. Right. And the same thing could happen for us, you know, if this were to see all the way through. And there's some things, you know, there's some uh, That's true. there's some conversations going around like how this is happening in Utah, and it might only you know just impact Utah for right now, but it's at a um it's at a lower level of, of court, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. And how mm. this is just like you said earlier, that this is the first step of many. Right. And it may not be seen all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just a big cover. This is just a bigger conversation of, um, you know, what, what's the right thing to do here? Because all in all, it's these three folks who, hmm you know, brought about this lawsuit for citizenship for a whole nation and, and without considering the whole nation. Right. Mm -hmm. Which takes me back to my stance of like, whatever American folks in American Samoa want to do is what I've, is what I would support. These are just three people. I don't know how long it's been since they've been in American Samoa. And you bringing up what you brought up partner about Mm -hmm. the quote from uh, John, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that whole joke of, uh, you know, being called an alien and wanting to seek out citizenship. There's, there's layers to that shit. Mm. Right. 
where I know folks who are not who've been in this country and personally do not want to become citizens. That's my right. dad. My dad's not a U.S. citizen, mm. and he he came here from New Zealand. 30, yeah, they're thirty-five like per- years ago. Permanent resident, yeah, right? He has like, his yeah, green permanent card. resident. Um, but he, for him, even though the New Zealand and the U.S. allow dual citizenship, I mm-hmm. have dual citizenship of both oh, countries. You do? I do. Um, but my dad, he saw becoming a U.S. citizen as, um, you know, giving up mm. his New Zealand citizenship, mm-hmm. and he, that's not something he was comfortable with. Mm. And so he had the right to choose. He was able to decide between coming, becoming a citizen or not, mm-hmm. and I wish everyone had that, that right. individually right. Mm-hmm. could decide if. I wish that it wasn't decided for them. Mm-hmm. You know that part. We like they should not be deciding for all of American Samoa, right? Um, whether they should have citizenship or not. And even this, you know, this idea around immigration and wanting to do this because of being looked at as an alien. That's some internal shit, you know, and that's the that's the conversation we're not having about. Being the other. Also, I feel like people that are citizens but are still from other countries or still immigrants, they still get comments like that. Yeah. People still call them aliens. People, you know, there's this whole, you know, go back to your country and they, and people are like, what do you mean my country? Like I was born in Denver. Right. right. Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so that's still comments like that still come through yeah. right. whether you got the paperwork or not. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I yeah. mean, yeah, the whole idea of go back to where you come from. That's, that's that, <laughs> that white supremacist thought or a way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And like how mm-hmm. we how we internalize that, how we feed into it, wanting to become US citizens when I know, you know, some of my family from American Samoa, they're just fine being US nationals. They've even said that they don't understand why these people are doing this and that they should just be working on their own papers or they should be advocating for a better process of folks gaining their citizenship. Because, you know, a lot of people who do go to the military, they, you know, they work on getting um, uh, their status changed from U.S. nationals to U.S. citizens. Mm. So just focus on yourselves as an individual. Don't do it for the whole yeah, nation if yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah. If they're not considered. And that's just, you know, I haven't I haven't dug so deep into it. And I always I don't understand the whole uh, judicial system and things like that. But. From what I understand from a friend of mine who is an attorney, you know, they said that this is the lowest level of court and that there's plenty of uh, steps to happen uh, after, you know, after this, if it were to, if it were to happen, but be, be alert, Mm. you know, and look at history, right? Thinking back to the way you grounded us in the conversation, look at the Brown history, look at the history of Hawaii, look at the history of Guam, even look at the Samoan history and why that treaty was signed between our paramount chiefs and the U.S., mm-hmm. right? And how they felt like that was the best thing for us to do before we were probably, you know, obliterated uh, during the war. It was to save our people and all of that history can enrich us and inform us in this in this conversation. Yeah, because that's really fucked up. I mean, I'm glad you brought that part in, partner. Yeah. About the whole alien thing. Yeah. Because immigration is, you know, it's a big ass, it's always been a big ass issue because yeah. you said, right, no matter where you, 
no matter even if you were born here, folks will still look at you as other. Yeah. But then what we're looking at right now with just how a lot of uh, the Latino community is mm. experiencing um, ICE. Mm-hmm. You know, we got these babies locked up in cages and shit like yeah. that in, in detention centers. Mm. Um, them dying, them losing their lives in these spaces all because there's this idea that like you need to be a city citizen to be here and and um if you're not from here then don't cross this wall or don't you know don't come this is this is all fucked up at the end of the day yep and it's irritating but you know with with this (laughs) with this shit being in the news you know and this being like the hot topic right alongside with the measles being a hot topic you know like samoa there's all this like devastation yeah and it's just it's um it's chilling to see our people in the news go experiencing these things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um on both issues personally you know i know we have this platform and we haven't been extremely vocal about the the measles, the measles and even with this you know like us just bringing it up right now it's because it's a hot topic that is um that impacts our community but like i have i'm watching it from afar i don't have an opinion my stance is my stance right like i i'm with whatever folks from american samoa want right but like i'm also thinking about just looking at how our community is showing up and you know um coming together to bring all of these supplies to send to samoa Mm -hmm. for the you know all those impacted by the measles and things like that like that's dope and i'm all for it and i you know like shout out to those who are doing that work uh because it's important for me i'm i'm thinking about like but shit is happening here our Mm -hmm. with our community Mm -hmm. there's a lot you know there's folks dying because of health complications yeah access there's homelessness yeah you know, there's um, there's all kind of shit. Shit is happening here, and how can we can't show up like that for our for our shit here? That's true. You know, we're very reactive. How do we how do we be proactive? Mm. So I don't know, bro. That's just that's all this shit <laughs> on my mind like, and my heart. Heavy I mean, on me. Y'all just shaking your head and shit over there, but like, <laughs> what's, what's your feeling on this? Sheesh, I really am supportive with like everyone that is like trying to like, you know, gather and I feel like communities always like our people always come together when it, when it's time to like help, you know, and like provide. But, you know, like when I think of our own backyard, I'm just like, you're, you know, I think the same just like you like, damn. There's hella shit happening here in this community. Mm-hmm. There's people, you know, our people are dying. And it's just, it's not to, it's just not magnified like the way it is right now in Samoa. But like, we're dealing with some internal measles, you know, like emotional, you know, like we're just dealing with a lot of shit here. And there's people that's being affected through sickness, through just a lot of stuff. But we don't highlight that stuff. We don't come together mm-hmm. for this. And it's just crazy that we are so quick to, not saying that this doesn't deserve our attention and our energy. It's a very important, you know, like, but I agree with Danny Boy because there are a lot of things I wish we can just gather quickly on, you know, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's it takes like something as devastating as this for right. everyone to be like, hey, this is important. Like, I feel like the, the next move 
for for us for local for just the people that in, within our own backyard, the people will move probably on a, like a someone passed away, you know, or like mm-hmm. a close loved one mm-hmm. is really severely ill. <laughs> like it has to be a super devastating experience for people to be like, I'm there, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's intense. We need to give. But also, I mean, I don't know. I think my question to all of us is how do we be more proactive versus reactive? Mm, you right. know? Right. Like this shit. Like, and, and even thinking about the court case, yeah. you know, thinking about the court case, thinking about the measles. Cause you know, everything you were saying, partner, not to take away from, yeah. you know, that that's some real shit that's happening. And, and with these, all these poor, um, babies you know that have passed away like yeah. that's that's really the hardest thing is that a lot of the the deaths um by measles in Samoa have been babies and there's there's all this push of like you know it being okay to vaccinate right and all these things but you know to for the community to show up and get folks what they need for right now right as a reaction how do we be proactive in the sense of like um, investing in the hospital, making the hospitals better there? Because we know that a lot of our folks in the islands, they'll go to Hawaii for medical attention. And New Zealand. They'll come, mm-hmm. they'll go to New Zealand for medical attention. They'll come here to the U um, to the States, to the continent mm-hmm. um, because the doctors and the medical, um, the medical field is better here. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not the best in, in the islands how can we how can we work towards making those things better so that those of our families in the islands that need it don't have to then figure out how to come out of pocket to travel all the way over here right for medical uh attention i like what you're saying about being proactive versus reactive Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's important that we're, we're being reactive right now like i think everything that's been going on like you said with people um, making the donations and everything that's been going on in the community. I think it's awesome, everybody coming together and and supporting the families over there that are going through this heartbreak. Um, but it is like, from here, this should be a lesson to learn on how to be proactive for the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that we don't have to be as reactive. Right. Um, and, you know, we don't have to lose so many lives mm-hmm. and and what we can do. Um, you know, kind of in the long game yeah. right. of the situation and what and what we can do as opposed to just, you know, talk about it while it's happening and then have it go away again. Mm-hmm. Be proactive, th- you know, for like thinking there, but also proactive here. Right, right, right. Right. And how can we be just as um, active and, and thoughtful and giving to what the needs are for our community here? Mm-hmm. Because I think we get lost in this whole idea here that like okay every man for themselves yeah go work go figure out how you're gonna do that and do this, um, but but if it's about if 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 it's a village and if it's a community, how are we working towards yeah. uh, making it better? I don't know. Because even you know something uh, something that was interesting to see with the whole measles thing is that like some folks were, were in their posts were saying like reaching out to the rock 
and saying that like it's not about you know like we don't want your money we don't need your influence we just want you to acknowledge us mm-hmm. right and so many people were saying this shit and it's like why does well, that <laughs> why does that motherfucker need to say anything yeah i think it's tough because being the most famous Samoan person in the states it's mm-hmm. like he's involuntarily become like a representative a symbol yeah right? and so i, mean, that, I think that's it. why people turn to him and say you know where you at because they it, and it's kind of unfair cuz like they expect it from him and it all kind of goes on his shoulders and too much is given much is required (laughs) you know like why does it have to be that like people are asking where you at and not like you just showing up showing up Mm -hmm. you know you got you you got buku money you could invest and make the hospital better you could uh but who's to say he's he hasn't or he's not doing it behind scene you know who's to say he has yeah true because, I, I mean, I don't know. Would I see anything? I haven't seen it, but... I think that's also why we need more representation. Mm. Like, it shouldn't be just The Rock. Mm. Like, there should be, you know, hella famous someone people out there. That's why we need, you know, more representation. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just everyone sort of funneling their frustrations at, like, this one individual who yeah. just happens to be the most famous someone person right. in the U.S., it's because of it. You know, I also think it's because of it, like his access and his influence and his ability to be there for the people. Right. Like, right. I get it, but I don't know. I think we should just highlight more of the people that are doing stuff that are mm-hmm. showing up, mm-hmm. the people that are there Word. and, and, you know, highlight them and not, and, you know, not spend our energy on. And on that note, shout out to everybody who has been doing, you know, work to give uh, back to our communities and and give to the islands. Right. But again, let's also do that for here. Yes, mm-hmm. please. And for home. And I agree. You're so right. Even thinking about our theme for this episode about like representation being important. Mm-hmm. Right. How can we create? How can we create um, art? Right. How can we create stories that uh, continue on these conversations? Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like since we're on the rock talking topic, I want to kind of just throw in <laughs> what I've been the tea I've been like, reading off of a uh, sipping tea, uh, sipping cocoa. I don't know if you guys follow sipping cocoa on Instagram, but they are a they are a blog. Right. They, they, yeah. Yeah. And they uh, went live a few days ago i think it was yesterday and they uh pretty much was they were asking questions and one of the questions was does the rock represent or use samoan culture 25 percent said represent 75 percent says that the rock just uses the culture what do we how do we perceive that how do you interpret that i don't really follow the rock you know but the little that i do see from him we just like how he interacts on social media i i think he i think he represents the culture when he when it's convenient i feel like so i don't really see too much of him being like you know i don't see him representing it too much but i feel like there are certain times where he represents it and when he represents it he represents it well so yeah i feel like i'm surprised at those numbers I'm surprised 75% said that he uses. Mm. Um, But what I see a lot about him is 
there was a lot of stuff going around about when he did Hobbs and Shaw. Oh yeah. People were people were saying like you're repping but like not accurately. And my personal opinion on that is like I can't hate on him for you know, it's like at least he's trying. At least he's um starting to put his culture into his work. And you know, none of us really know why he why he does what he does only he knows and we don't know he could have his own personal um things that drive why he does what he does like myself being afakasi you know there's sometimes sometimes i'm nervous to do certain things or say certain things because i'm worried i'm gonna do it wrong Mm. you know Mm. and and i'm worried about um, what people are going to say, you know, if I try to rep and, and, you know, I'm, I'm inaccurate in my representation. And so yeah. we don't know, maybe he feels that way too. And right. so some people are like, oh, you didn't even start repping your people until you did Hobbs and Shaw. And, and why didn't you push for it more before that? And we don't know like what goes, what he's thinking, how he's feeling mm. about that too. Um, but I'm like, at least he's trying Right. And at least he's out there, you know. But every time I see him do anything, he's always talking about how proud he is. Yeah. You know, like he's proud to be Samoan. Um, so, you know, I'm surprised 75% of people said. Yeah, he uses. I think, like you said, he's one of the you know highest paid entertainers and he's Samoan. And I think there's just a, there's just a higher expectation of him yeah. because of the caliber he mm-hmm. has reached, right? Like, you know, in our families, thinking on a, smaller level in our families like when folks go to college you know folks are look the family might look at them differently in a different light and expect more of them Mm. to perform to you know to get a good job to provide Mm -hmm. to be balling when it's like man it is really hard for a lot of college students to get a job Mm. right out of right out of college and a lot of folks may not even go into the field in which they studied yeah so you're right though you know that is something that is a food for thought to think about with the rock and how there's all these heavy expectations. I think just the celebrity, the uh, celebrity status, Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, like there's a, there's a dependency on that to bring light and visibility to the issues in our community because yeah. he has such a big platform. Like imagine if he was to talk about the measles epidemic in Samoa, right the amount of reach he could have and maybe the influence on like ensuring that, you know, doctors and nurses and all these folks who can go out there to help, help get the, the nation vaccinated, you know, and really Mm -hmm. prevent these. That's a fucking, that's a lot of deaths. 70, you know, 72, I think it was a number I seen last. Yeah, that's like if you compare it to the U.S. population, like the equivalent. Yeah, I think is, I don't know, something like a million people or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bruh, uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, that let, is a um, lot. we're gonna go ahead and just put a pin in this, and uh, we it's a lot of different feelings and emotions with this, and yeah, let's just stay tuned, man. Let's just stay tuned, cause with the whole court case. I personally, I hope it doesn't go through and that American, that Samoans and American Samoa will have a say mm. in whether they want citizenship or not. Yeah. You know? All right, y'all. So tap in with these community announcements and we'll be right back. 
Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl Amanda from Afakasi Prints. If you're in the mood to support a local Bay Area Pacifica woman-owned business, look me up. On my website, you can find hand-carved and hand-printed art prints, note cards, t-shirts, as well as some sweet-ass stickers, all designed by me and inspired by our lovely Pacifica culture. Also, if you're looking for someone to teach a fun art workshop, whether for your company happy hour or a girl's night in, or for a custom Pacifica mural, I'm your girl. You can find me online at www.afakasiprints.com and on Instagram at afakasiprints. Let's represent the culture together and let them know we're here to stay. Peace. Pacific Islanders of Santa Clara County, Census 2020 Outreach is launching. Please join us in our efforts to reach out and engage our families. Help us spread the word about the census because you count, I count, we all count. For more information or to join our team, text Census 2020, that's C-E-N-S-U-S 2020, to 650-898-4714. Once again, that's 650-898-4714. Or email census2020 at 1epa.org. Once again, email census2020, C-E-N-S-U-S 2020 at 1, the number 1, epa.org. All right, y'all, we back, and now it's time for one of my favorite segments, our ICU segment. Y'all know what it is. We uh, recognizing folks in our community that are doing things, uh, folks that are on our heart, folks that are in need, anybody that we want to bring visibility to. And so, Pana, I'm going to shoot it to you first. Who's your ICU for this week? Okay, so my ICU goes out to Uslam and Flexa. I, well, is it Flex or Flexa? It's Flex, Flex yeah, because on his uh, on his page he goes by Flexa. So uh, I just want to recognize the, these two. They were um, they performed yesterday. I went to an event that, called the Reggae Night at the Fall Bar, Tiki Pete's. Shout out Tiki Pete's, and they were representing last night. And I felt like oh, I need to recognize these two. And they were also t- they also said that they want to come on the show and talk about like the state of the music, like where we are as far as like Pacific Island music, and talking about just a lot of fuckery stuff. But I want to um, I want to recognize them because I was. Listening to their music, and I was expecting rap. And these two was like soul R and B reggae. They had like yeah. that soul R and B reggae sound, and I was like, mm-hmm. these two got a sexy ass sound coming out of them. <laughs> so I just want to recognize um, Uslam and Flexa, both great artists. They come out of the city, right, San Francisco. Yeah, those are my little bros. Little bros, yeah. They call it Danny Boy Big Bruh. They're dope. Yeah, they're dope. Mm-hmm. One of the, I think he just released a, a single. Uslam is called Like Rain, featuring OT Seven. That song is fire. We'll put that in on on our page, but y'all go ahead and follow Uslam and uh, Flex. I just want to say that y'all was doing great work. I see y'all doing uh, pushing really the music out there and really trying to bring. They're trying to bring back R and B and soul back to the mm. back to just they're trying to bring back that sound just for people. bring back that good sound. Yeah, they they don't even consider themselves a Pacific, you know the PI Pacific Island sound. They they don't fall under that category. They were like nah. We're soul and R&B. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm feeling that. Uh, but they have a great sound. Y'all go ahead and follow them. We'll put their handle um, just like on our Instagram. But Uslam and Flex, just want to say, I, I see, see you. you. Right on, right on. 
I see you too, little breast. Yeah, little breast. <laughs> How about you, Amanda? Who you got for your ICU? So I got two. Uh, my first one, so La Kiwi Baby. She is out in Oakland. She's originally from New Zealand. She's Maori. Mm. And she's a fellow artist. And um, she does amazing work. Um, if you guys check her out, you'll see she does, you know, she has um, products like T-shirts, pins, patches and stuff. But oh, dope. Um, she's repping the Maori culture, mm. but like in a contemporary way, like mm-hmm. her designs are so dope. And um, I think she also runs a market in Oakland, too, like a maker's market. Oh, nice. Um, so I just got to holler out to her because, you know, you don't see a lot of Maori representation. Yeah. And here, yeah. Yeah, here. So um, everything she's doing is so dope. And she's fun to follow, too. Like, she has a good balance of personal stuff on her stories and stuff. Mm. And, and so she, I love following along with her and, and seeing, like, the shit she's up to, you nice. know. What's her um, name again? Lucky we baby. So it's okay. L A K I W I baby. Same on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Lucky We Baby. I, I see you. And then I have another one, and this is just something I just added last night because I came across her page earlier this week. And she's I think she's Samoan. She's a singer-songwriter mm. and she lives out in New Zealand. And she just has an amazing voice. And um, I just wanted to share her here for mm-hmm. people to check her out because the music that she's doing is really dope and mm-hmm. beautiful. Nice. And um, so her name, Eden Iati, I think, is uh, E-D-E-N-I-A-T-I music okay. is her handle. It's um, dope, huh? Yeah. Her, I mean, I think she released a, she released a single earlier this year and she even just did Can like... Can you describe her sound? It's... Um, Man, I don't know. It's kind of like a soul. Yeah, it's um, indie. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just it's good music you want to be listening to. Mm. Like feel good. Yeah, music. yeah, yeah, exactly. And she, I mean, she even she put up like she was singing an acoustic song in someone. Mm. And oh wow! She just put that up the other day just because of um, everything that's going on, like with the measles epidemic. Mm-hmm. And she had just you know put that together for how it was making her feel, and Word. it was just. Um, really beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. so i just wanted to call her out uh eden iati i, I see you. you that's what's <laughs> up actually I, i'm gonna just do a quick <laughs> icu real quick because of uh this great week that we've had and we celebrated um our guest that was on the show Casey. this past uh this mm. past episode mm-hmm. just want to send the icu out to miss Casey volks again Casey one more game uh, because she dropped her album um the album i really like it yeah i've been slapping it all week and i'm just i'm just super proud of her yeah Super proud of you. Thank you for being here with uh, on the show with us last week. Thanks for inviting us to come through to the album release party. Yeah. And we're just going to continue to look out and see all the great things you're doing with music. So, Miss KZ Volks, I, I see you. you. All right, y'all tapping with these announcements and we'll be right back. Hey, y'all, it's your girl KZ Volks living out my dreams out now on all platforms. Go ahead and cop that. All right, y'all, we back. We're here to chop it up with you, Miss Amanda Afakasi Prince. (laughs) Now we can get to it, man. So, um, 
like I said earlier, we got we met through Epian Pharma with Someone Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I really came to see your work at the Turkey Trot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you had your display. You, know, you had some really nice merch out there. I, I bought a couple of the, the cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were sick. Um, and we even did a little interview. That was our first time we went live <laughs> on the mm-hmm. podcast. We're going to try to do more of that next year. Uh, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about your artistry um, and what Afakasi prints, you know, is and, and why you wanted to come out with that. But but first and foremost, like the name, tell us about why Afakasi prints. Yeah. So Afakasi prints, I'm Afakasi. Um, you know, I'm half Samoan and it's really a term that I identify with. I mean, it's who I am. Mm. And when I was growing up, you know, my dad always taught us, you know, you're Afakasi, be proud to be Afakasi. And, um, you know, don't ever worry about if you're Samoan enough Mm. or not. And just because you're Afakasi and, you know, raised in a Palangi community doesn't mean that you don't own being Samoan. Yeah, that you're any less Samoan. Right. Mm. And so um, I've, it's a term I've always been proud to say. And um, so when I was really trying to come up with my name for my business, you know, I was getting into printmaking and a lot of the designs that I was doing were inspired by my culture. And so I wanted the name to reflect that mm-hmm. and reflect who I am. And mm-hmm. it's really grown with me. Um, It's so much more to me than just a business, than just, you know, an online store with products. Mm -hmm. It's it's intertwined with who I am and my values. You know, I'm following my dreams, but I'm also following my values with what I do with my business. Mm -hmm. And so Afakasi felt so fitting because that's who I am. Mm. And um, and, you know, I'm trying to bring representation of the culture into my work Mm -hmm. and representation is really my main driving force Mm -hmm. for why I, I built Afakasi prints to be what it is. And, um, like I said, it's so much more than just like an online shop. I want to, um, represent, but I also want to work with organizations that exemplify the things I believe in Mm -hmm. and my values. So you mentioned Samoan solutions, Mm -hmm. Um, working with them, doing the workshop that I did for them in the Turkey Trot and working with Skyline College, the Rock the School Bells we were mentioning earlier. Yeah. You know, the proceeds from that, like, they go towards the scholarship program for the Cypher Hip Hop oh, community there. And mm-hmm. um, I did work with, uh, I did a event at United State of Women, mm-hmm. which is their Galvanized California event out in Sacramento. They're all about uh, gender and racial equity. Mm. Dope. And they had like panels of these like young Gen Z brown and black kids talking about what they want to do to fight for their future here mm. in the States. They had a workshop on how to w- run for office as a woman, Damn. as a woman of color. Like That's and, dope. And yeah, it's amazing. These these sort of organizations and so for me Afakasi Prince you know these are the things that I believe in these are my personal values mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why when I named it Afakasi Prince like it exemplifies me right. and my values that's deep on top of you know my culture right has 
has being an artist always been something that you've just thought was your calling or your purpose? I've definitely always been a creative. Mm. Um, I spend, you know, the majority of my free time doing creative things. And, you know, I was always in Michael's craft store. Was like, <laughs> like yeah. That was like my idea of a good time when I was a kid, you know, like hitting up Michael's tonight. Uh, <laughs> doing some arts yeah, and crafts. Gonna get a new glue gun. Um, <laughs> and then when I was um, like seventh grade all the way up through high school, I did theater but I actually did um, behind the scenes stuff. I was going to say, you don't pick me as a theater kid. Yeah, I did. Um, They're very uh, boisterous and expressive <laughs> and loud. And <laughs> yeah, and that was really, that was my community when I was younger was like the theater kids. But I did, I was behind the scenes. Like yeah. I did set building, mm. um, set dressing, costumes. That's dope. Um, stage management. Like, that's all the stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. I think I was on stage, like, in a couple of things um, before I really figured out that that's not, that really that's wasn't my calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd have, like, one line here or there. <laughs> forget what it was. But, uh, yeah, so I've always been a creative. and I like that. I, I was working, you know, when I turned 19, I was working full time. I don't have a college degree, so I've been working full-time for, like, the last decade. Mm. And at one point, you know, and I was always working in an office environment. Mm -hmm. So I started out filing paperwork um, eight hours a day at an insurance office, and I built my way up over the course of a decade to my last job was I was a project manager at a tech startup in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. And that was, you know, a lot of hard work to get there and to be you know, a woman of color without a college degree yeah, as a project yeah, manager yeah. in San Francisco, like Silicon Valley, Bay Area. Mm -hmm. It's like a huge accomplishment, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Um, and so I started doing my printmaking and then it was actually my husband. Shout out to my husband, Will. Ooh, he, yeah, Will. It was really him who said, you know, I see you're not happy. I see you're not fulfilled. And I hate to see you that way. So why don't you try to use your art for what you believe in and try to take that and um, turn that into something, mm. into a business and and see where it takes you, you know, take a year and see where it goes. And so, you know, I'm really lucky and privileged to be able to do that. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to have that opportunity, so is this full time? Is Afakasi yeah. plays full time? Mm -hmm. Oh shit, that's what's up. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and I'm, and that's so why you I'm, quit your job. I did. Yeah, and I was gonna leave anyways because I wasn't mm. happy with the company and where they were going and and how they were treating their employees. Yeah. Um. So I was gonna leave anyways, but he. That's when he said, you know, why don't you try this? And mm -hmm. you know, we're really fortunate that his income is able to support us while I follow my dreams mm -hmm. because I like, I straight up got to acknowledge like a lot of people don't have that, opportunities yeah. like that. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. Like we didn't even have that. You know, when we moved to the Bay six years ago, we were both unemployed mm. right, yeah. and um, you know, it took us a long time and, and a lot of hard work way, to get yeah. where we are. But that's really dope to hear that though, because dope. you know, it makes me think about like Gary V and how he's like, you know, what do you, what are you doing in that job you don't love? Quit, do what you mm -hmm. love, and 
You know, it's, it's hard. Up. It, it's hard to do this shit because yeah. security. I know, and a lot it's of a people risk. are like, yeah, you know, you can say that, but it's like in in practicality, it doesn't really. It's hard. It, you know, you got to pay the bills. Yeah, and everything, and so that's why you know I'm so fortunate that that's something that we're able Shout to do. Shout out to Will, man. Thank that's yeah. what's up. He's like the. He's like the A-Rod to my J-Lo. Hey. He's like I don't my get big, that, I don't he's get like that my, reference. He's like my biggest supporter, you know, because oh. like you know, they're they're engaged or whatever. And A-Rod's always like, you know, biggest cheerleader for J-Lo. Mm. He's always highlighting her and everything. And so Will's like that, you know, he's passionate that I'm passionate. Yeah. You know, he saw how passionate I was about bringing representation Mm -hmm. of my people into um, a space where it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, You know, I was always going on about how I grew up in a community where there was nobody like me Mm -hmm. and everywhere I went, I was the only person like me Mm. and how I wish that that could be different Mm -hmm. here in the States and that, you know, a kid from, you know, any town America could be walking down the street like a poly kid, PI kid, and look up and see like a mural and see themselves represented in public art. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, that's my people. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's something I really wanted. I longed for my whole life. Yeah. And you know, I'm always, I'm always talking about it. And that's, you know, he saw how passionate I was about it. And he was like, why don't you pursue that mm-hmm. and and see where you can go with it? And um, so that's really where. And immediately you knew right there, like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's funny, too. Like, I'm not a very talkative social person. Like, Uh I have difficulties in social situations talking to people. Like, I could dig it. You bring me somewhere and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, Uh you know, like, I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um, But then when I started off at Cossie Prince, um, like, immediately I was asked to do an event. A friend of mine, Ashley, she put on an event that was a fundraiser for races the um, in Texas. They're the organization that helps the immigrant families that are in um, those camps down there the and everything. Yeah, yeah, the detention centers. And, and so she wanted to do a fundraiser. And so she was like, hey, why don't you come out and like sell some of your stuff? And I didn't even really have my products yet. Like I just printed up some stuff uh-huh. on some paper and was like I'll come out and I'll sell and I was really I was really nervous about talking to people but then what I found was at the end of the night it was like everything just flowed Mm -hmm. like every time someone wanted to talk to me about my stuff like about my culture it was just it came naturally like it all just comes out the heart and I've never experienced that before in my life like it just is right yeah it's it's what I'm supposed to be doing and um that's why I say like I try to bring representation of our culture to the forefront of the conversation. Nice, yeah. mm-hmm. And like what that means for me is every time I talk about my business, I talk about my products, I talk about what I do, inevitably, like my culture comes up. Yeah. It's the first thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's ingrained. It. It's the it's the focus. Right. It's in it's ingrained in mm-hmm. into the business and, and that's why it's so much more to a than a business to me, you know. But um but yeah, that's why I. It feels so natural. Like yeah. it just immediately was like it clicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this mode um, that you listed here in your bio that you specialize in relief printmaking. What is relief printmaking? Yeah. So relief printmaking is um, when you carve a design out of um, you know people will use linoleum, wood. I use rubber. 
and you carve the negative or you carve the reverse and then you ink it Mm. and then you print from that hand carved block so it's also referred to as block printing or lino cutting or lino printing Mm. will be like those terms all get used for relief printing okay um and you know i'm self-taught so I'm I don't know everything there is to know about it. I just, you know, picked up a book one day about it at the bookstore and <laughs> decided to give it a try and really loved it and yeah. have sort of built my skills from there. Like I there's um so much more to it if you want to layer more colors, um, and different ways to go about it. But that's what relief printing is. So each each print is individually hand printed from the block that's hand carved. Okay. And you have to ink the block between every single print that makes me think of i forgot what the block is called in the islands it's different names but mm-hmm. it's like uh how they la yes exactly things you know like they have the they have the upete block or oh, upeki upe- upe- yeah and um yeah that with the workshop that i taught for someone solutions i did um to towel block printing Mm. And so what I did was I hand carved these uh, little blocks that people could use to print their own note cards and they had to tell motifs on them. Yeah. And so I talked a little bit about how block printing is something that dates back. It dates back to Asia initially, but there's a lot of it in the islands with the LA printing mm-hmm. um, because they carve their blocks and ink them and yeah. and print from them to make the LA fabric and mm-hmm. to make the um, siapo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's used for making siapo on top of cloth too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really dope, and I love that you're bringing up two two things, or actually three. There's, you know, I hear um, you speak about your identity and your culture, mm-hmm. and then two, wanting to rep- make sure that you represent for that, right? And then also the business aspect, mm-hmm. right? And so, with all three of these things, what I hear from you is that like there there's there's like a a passion and a drive to do this more than anything Mm -hmm. else right what is what does it mean to you to be to have the privilege and the ability to pursue um to pursue this to pursue afagasi prints as a business and lifestyle yeah i mean it means a lot to me Mm -hmm. it's it's my life you know it's um and I think the reason why representation is so important to me, I think there's two different reasons. And, you know, the first reason I kind of touched on growing up somewhere where there wasn't any representation right, right. Um, at all. And that's it's really isolating and it takes a really big toll on your mental health. Mm. And so it's something that I want to participate in changing in this in this country mm-hmm. and even even a little bit is still something, you know, and um, it's a huge honor to be able to be a part of that community and that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other reason why it's so important to me is a lot of the representation that is out there mainstream um, that most, you know, everyday Americans know about our cultures is it's all a lot of misrepresentation and misunderstanding. So people, you know, I tell them I'm Samoan, and if they know what Samoan even means, which I've run into a lot of people that don't even know, like Samoa, like yeah, they don't know where it's located. Yeah, they're yeah. like confused. They'll, they'll equivocate it to um, Hawaii or something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I you know, I get people like, what language do they speak there? I'm like Samoan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I get people that say all the time, "Oh, your brothers must be great at football." 
mm-hmm. because that's all they know yeah. about Samoan people or PI people is like they play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or I get people telling me like, oh, but your dad's like so small. Like, how's he Samoan? Because <laughs> <laughs> the only Samoans they know is like The Rock. Right. Just big ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Maui, right. <laughs> Moana. Like, um, and so they expect PI people to look a certain way. Um, or I get, you know, like the Girl Scout cookies, Samoa Girl mm-hmm. Scout cookies. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people are like, like the cookie? Like, uh-huh. they don't know what the cookie name comes from. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you know... Those cookies are delicious. I love them. But if that's all people know about our culture, like we got a long way to go. Yeah. We got some work to do. Yeah. And But also it's not it's not contingent on us though, right? It's Yeah. It's also because like there's not either there's not visibility other than these things or mm-hmm. those folks don't have the uh the exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I want to do is is to try to change that and any way I can yeah. and that's why you know with with I really want to get into public art and the mural work that I'm doing mm. because that's really what I wish I had when I was a kid mm. you know like I see murals going up and I'm like damn I wish that that reflected me mm-hmm. or you know when I was a kid I, did, I read a lot and I when I would go to the bookstore I would try to find books like written by PI people or about PI people. And a lot of the books that are about the islands are written by Palangis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. there's, I wish that was different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I want that to change. And so I want to be able to be a part of that any way I can. And and um, I feel, I feel really lucky and honored that that's some, that's somewhere that I can even be right now. Yeah. Be doing. And, um, you know, they say, be the person you needed when you were young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. So then let me ask you, what was it like when you were younger? You know, I hear you, I hear you talk about like a longing to be connected to your, um, your culture and mm-hmm. how you wish you had seen these symbols and things of representation of your people. Um, you know, you've mentioned and, and your brand is centered around, your afakasiness, right? Mm-hmm. You're um, half Samoan, half white. And so can you tell us about what that was like for you growing up? Mm-hmm. What, what I like to call the the plight of the afakasi. Yeah. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> yeah, so because I didn't grow up around a PI community, I didn't experience what I think some afakasi's experience of trying to be accepted Mm-hmm. as Samoan mm-hmm. um, because I know there's a huge plight there of um, you know oh you're like the PA community being like oh you're not Samoan enough right, right. so um, they want to be Samoan enough mm-hmm. and, yeah mm-hmm. but so I didn't experience a lot of that just because I didn't have the community at all but um, something that I wrote about uh, for the I wrote a blog piece for Lady Pacifica magazine and what I wrote about in there was about how I felt stuck in this like in between world, Mm -hmm. like this void of not feeling like I was Samoan enough and not having a Samoan or PI community, but then not feeling white enough either Mm -hmm. and feeling different enough from my peers um, in a way that they wouldn't understand. Um, And then, so I'm kind of, I was kind of, I felt lost in this in between world of, Mm -hmm 
you know, and that's why that piece I wrote was called Afakasi Living in Both Worlds, because it is like, you know, not white enough, not Samoan enough. And that was tough for me personally. And that's why I found myself, I think, longing for my culture Mm -hmm. and a community. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, too, because now that I found a community, you know, I have a I have an amazing community online on my Instagram. Like I've got friends all over the world now Mm -hmm. that are part of the PI community, but then also the local Bay Area community, too, that I've sort of been introduced to through Samoan Solutions and then you know, Natalie out at the Pacific Islander mm-hmm. Wellness Initiative. Shout out to Natalie and her whole team. That's where I did my mural. Out there in Alameda, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out in Hayward. And then, you know, you guys and everything, yeah. like meeting all this huge community. And I feel so much more fulfilled. Mm. Mm. And it's like I went my whole life with this hole mm. that needed to be filled. And it wasn't until I found my community that it, mm. I'm starting to feel full. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, and so 2019 has really been the year of me really coming into who I am, mm-hmm. figuring out who I am, knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to thank the community for that, really. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, Afrikaansi Prince is so synonymous with me and my life path and my life journey because it was really when I started Afrikaansi Prince that I started to find these communities, mm. the wow. communities that I always wished that I had. Wow. So you didn't grow up around a lot of family or your Samoan family, huh? Right, right. So my okay. dad's from New Zealand. And so he... Um, There's all the family out there. In New yeah. Mm. So a lot of my family's in New Zealand. A lot of my family's in Australia. Oh, okay. Um, and then I've got family in Samoa too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the only real family of his in the states is the family that's in Denver. Mm. Um, shout out to my auntie Aniva. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't. I really just had my immediate family of like uh. my three brothers and my parents, and um, and so you know, like we fuck around when we were kids growing up, like stuff that my dad would bring into the house that was more cultural. Um, like the music that we listened to, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like we had, we had it. But then when you go out with your friends, or when you go out and you're you're discovering who you are in your adolescence, and you don't bring any of that with you because they don't understand, mm. and so you feel like you're editing yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you can't be like. I mean, not that I couldn't be my full self, but it's like they don't know. You know, yeah. I'm gonna be like <laughs> Mafu, uh. and then they're like. They don't know what my phone is. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And it's like, but that was like my home life, you know? And so it's it's something that I didn't have a lot of. Mm. But one thing I'm grateful for is Facebook. Mm -hmm. Because when I was younger, I really didn't have a connection with my family overseas. Mm -hmm. But now Mm. with the introduction of social media and Facebook, it's like I'm able to see what they're doing every day. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's putting up pics. We have a family page um, for my, my Nana side of the family. And we, you know, everyone's posting stuff up and we have family reunions now yeah. and, and stuff. And I didn't have a lot of that when I was younger. And so it's nice to have that now. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, representation is at the core of um, what what's your driving force to your business. Mm-hmm. But I also f- see that, like, this is also the driving force to your discovery of your full self, mm-hmm. right? As Afakasi. Right. Um, what has this journey been like in being, you know, 
one in the community, but also just your self-discovery of your Samoanness, your identity, your identity. It's been amazing. I have to say that the community has been so accepting. You know, I think there's a lot of um, people think that, you know, being Afakasi, it's hard to assimilate. And that's not something that I've faced at mm. all in the local community or online. Um, but I think part of that journey really was when I got my Malu a couple of years ago. Mm, okay. Um, I got my Malu in 2017. And it's 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 really hard to explain the fundamental changes you go through mm. during uh, when you receive your Malu. And there's like the Amanda pre-Malu and there's the Amanda post-Malu. Mm. Tell us about that. What and does that mean? It's like, you know, when you're going through it, you... Like number one, I'm in awe of my body and what it's what it's capable of mm-hmm. because you know it was a nine hour day, um, and it's hard. And but when you're going through when you're going through it, you have to send your mind somewhere else in order to persevere through the pain. And it's like you have to. It's like a mind over body thing. Right. And so it's interesting because you know the whole time I was getting my malu, I didn't cry. You know, it was painful, but. It wasn't the type of, you know, I'm going to cry from from this. But the last 15 minutes, I started to cry. And it wasn't because of the pain. It was because, you know, they're finishing on that kneecap. And it's like a whole new world of of physical pain that I've never experienced before. And I'm trying to send my mind somewhere else. Mm. And I'm lying on my back and I'm looking up at the ceiling. And it's like I go to this place and it's so it was such a spiritual experience and my nana was there Mm. and like i'm gonna tear up Mm. um but it was like i saw her and she's there and she was like holding my hand Mm. and and helping me get through the last 15 minutes like the last legs of it and she's like it's so interesting too because no words were exchanged Mm -hmm. verbally yeah but I knew what she was saying to me. You know, mm-hmm. she passed away when I was 16. And um, but it's like I knew I knew what she was saying to me. And, and you know, it's she was telling me um, that, like, I was on the right path and that, you know, my Malu was going to be the pain that she and her family persevered through to get me where I am today is it. It's like it's all worth it. Because mm. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And it's it's really hard to explain. But um, coming out on the other side of that, it's it just fundamentally changed who I am. It's cathartic, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, the tears, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the photo I put up that was taken immediately after I finished. Mm. That's, um like, this candid. But it was just like, it was I was like lying on my back those last 10 minutes and I was just sobbing. Like it was just, it was cathartic. It was like my whole, it was like this huge release. The, your mana, the, all the mana right. fell from the whole experience and then you, yeah. and you it's, know, in tune with your ancestors. Right. And all the stuff that I, all the stuff that I was carrying around, I guess, you know, about all of that, about, yeah. you know, not feeling someone enough or about um, wishing that I had a community, wishing I had a culture, like, all that like just came out through these tears and it was like that's like I say like that's why there's like pre-Malu Amanda and post-Malu Amanda because like yeah. after I got it that was when it was just like all my art everything became it was like 
it just flowed through me. It had such wow. a greater purpose. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Wow, that's, yeah, that's Let me see. Let me see. I mean, damn, because now wow. that we know, like, you know, that's a very interesting piece. Oh, that's. I had a friend. She's a photographer. I had her come. So she took a bunch of photos. I got it done at the Bay Area Tattoo Convention. Oh, yeah, I see. Um, I know that guy that he did. Yeah. So he's the one who did it? Yeah, C.E. Leofau. C.E., yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to C.E. <laughs> so, you know, this this longing for your culture, you getting the ultimate representation mm-hmm. of your culture, having, you know, the Faimalu, or, or being a Faimalu, I mean, you know, what what is that? mean to you now as you are still on this journey of um of of becoming you i think it's grounded me mm. it's rooted me yeah you know it's rooted me into who i am mm-hmm. and who i'm becoming it's like you know my malu is the roots and now i'm growing mm. up from that and um you know, it makes me feel closer to my culture, closer mm. to my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, in sort of the line of representation, it's a moment of education for people that don't know what it is. Because, like, you know, 90% of the people that see my Malu, they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an opportunity to sort of explain to people that aren't PI what the Tatao means to us. And um, what it means for our culture and, mm-hmm. and how it's ingrained in our culture um, and why it's such a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And so it's some it's also like an opportunity to educate. Yeah. Um, and that's where I feel like I've actually experienced that a lot. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of people who don't know what it is mm-hmm. asking me about it. Um and then I'm able to say, you know, I'm Samoan, and mm-hmm. right. Who is this right here? There, That's my dad. <laughs> let me see. There's a huge responsibility, you know, with as as they say. Oh, that's what's up. <laughs> we'll share these on yeah, the page. We'll There's powerful. a huge responsibility, you know, in getting your the the malu mm-hmm. or the malofie, you know, and um. I want to I want to ask you like what ways in which you're uh continuing to learn about mm-hmm. your Samoanness, your Samoan identity, your culture. Right. So I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. Um and I also it's important to me to be accurate as much as I can in my representation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um so that's why for me it's this journey of learning is probably never going to end. Um mm. and I know there's a lot that comes with having my Malu um, and being a representative. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I try to take seriously, um, you know, and I hold with honor. I'm really honored to even be able to, you know, wear the paint of my ancestors on my skin Mm -hmm. and the the story of them on my skin. And Mm. um, it's not something I take lightly. And so that's, why I'm constantly trying to learn, you know, and I'm trying to learn the language. I don't, I don't currently speak the language, um, because when yet, my, right? yet. yet, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And my dad, this learning. is, this is a bit of a tangent, but you know, when my dad's, my dad's parents, they immigrated from Samoa to New Zealand and they had a family there and they, um, 
wanted their children to have more opportunities Mm -hmm. than they had. And that's why they moved to New Zealand. And but they didn't let my dad and his brothers speak Samoan in the house. They said, you know, you speak English because Mm -hmm. that'll help you in school Mm -hmm. and in the programs in school. Um, And so the language was lost. That was the moment that the language was lost. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot, I think. Um, with a yeah, lot of immigrant yeah, families, yeah. like not just Samoans, but yeah. like a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of families, and um, this this desire to assimilate. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, the language didn't get passed down on to me, mm-hmm. and so now I'm trying to learn so that it's something that I can have. Trying to get it back. Yeah, trying yeah. to get it back. And I think there's a lot of that going on right now. Absolutely. Um, with, That's been a lifelong journey. Yeah. And we've had many conversations about this, even yeah. with Bex and I, you know, um, having more Samoan blood. I mean, Bex, you're full Samoan, mm-hmm. right? I, I have more Samoan blood than anything else. And, you know, we had this conversation about, like, being Samoan-ish. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, that like, episode really resonated with me. And, uh, you know, our sister Kiana coming through and it's like, nope. Nope. You're Samoan, mm-hmm. right? Even and you have a drip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the same for you. You know, like, I, I think that's what's really, um, what's really dope about this conversation, right, is because it's coming from the perspective of someone who's who identifies completely as Afakasi with, you know, the whole, yeah, the plight of the, <laughs> of the Afakasi. Um because it's a different experience you know Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate how like you're taking the steps to claim your your samoan identity and get that back yeah and get that back that's really dope um have you received any uh prejudice or racism from the community because you know again like you said you're you know Afakasi, you're white presenting, you have a malu, you're, you know, you're creating um, your business. And we know our community, you know, we got some haters out there. Mm-hmm. And so Very I just, judgmental. I wanted to ask that, like, ha- has that been an experience of yours? It hasn't. I haven't experienced it um, firsthand at all, mm. um, you know, but I'm sure people think it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that think it. Um, and sometimes I see it on people's faces. Mm. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I know my truth. Mm. And if someone thinks I'm not Samoan enough, that's on them. Yeah. You know, that's their prop. That's their issue. They need to unpack. Um, that's not on me. And especially because I haven't experienced it to my face, you know, if it's just someone, what someone's thinking, like I ain't got time to worry about what other people think. Yeah. Okay. Like that. Say that one more time. I ain't got time to worry about what other people think. Like I'm on my own path. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I you're only on this earth for so long and I don't want to waste any energy worrying about mm-hmm. what people are thinking, you yeah. know. Cuz I've definitely seen and you know, like just in my journey of life with so many folks out there, right? That like you see people and I might have I might have uh participated in this too that you see so many of us exteriorize our culture so that it's known that like that it's a part of us yeah, or that we belong to this. Right. And we may like, we try to make up for it where what I'm receiving from you is that like, you know, you, you know who you are, you know where you're at 
you know your limitations mm-hmm. and that those are all things that you're focused on. You ain't got time to worry about other people's perception of you inside or outside of our community. Yeah. Right. So I think that's really dope. Yeah, I think that's hella important. I think the only time it would ever be something that I would want to sit down and think about is if there was any validity behind behind it you know if and that's why i say i try to be accurate but if i do something or i pronounce something wrong or something Mm -hmm. you know educate me i like to use that as a learning experience yeah you know i'm not gonna take it personally yeah if you're Mm -hmm. like yo you said this word wrong like i'm gonna be like teach me how to say it right Mm -hmm. right you know use that as a learning opportunity i'm not gonna be like yo like shut the fuck up leave me alone i say how i want it like (laughs) it's not that but but um that would be the like stuff like that's really the only instance when i would want to take it as a learning opportunity yeah. to right. make myself a better representative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the term afakasi, it's it can be seen as problematic, right? Because it's 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 re- it's used to reference being half white. Mm-hmm. And a little, you know, just a quick snapshot of like historical reference of like when the when um Palangis came in and they were taken over, right? And they were seen or deemed to be like superior and how anything below whiteness is where the, the level of um, power Mm -hmm. was, you know, or like uh, humanity. So if you were Afakasi, you know, that, which meant half white, that, that you were better than like, let's say somebody who's just Samoan. Mm. Right. Or or maybe even um, foreigner than that because there was also other other uh, folks brought into the islands, but there was just this these uh, these classes right. of folks, and so you know, Afakasi um, definitely has a connotation mm-hmm. to it um, of you know potentially being or not potentially, but you know maybe being problematic to some because of the historical reference, mm-hmm. um, and so I just wanted to like check in with you about like how how that sits with you yeah and what you're building you know because there is and also like i think recently or not recently but just in our everyday sometimes afakasi is used loosely to just mean half gas half of something else Mm -hmm. whereas like historically and maybe even currently I got to check with the, you know, the the Samoans who speak Samoan about like it being referenced to uh being half white but yeah i mean the the historical um usage in terms of classism of like afakasi is better than samon because that they're half white mm-hmm. that that's so hard for me because obviously you know that's not how i feel yeah at all right. and so it's hard for me because i am afakasi and I'm proud, you know, I'm proud to be Afakasi, but not because I'm half white, but because I'm half Samoan. Yeah. Like for me, in, and it's tough because, you know, <laughs> yeah. what am I, what else am I going to call myself? Yeah. And it's, and it's tough that the, that word has that meaning attached to it mm. because that's not how I feel. Yeah. Yet that's still, but it's still the term that I call myself. And so, um, for me, I that's what like I almost feel the opposite. Like, yeah, I feel like calling myself Afakasi it means that I'm proud to be Samoan. Mm. Like, you know, I'm not like just that. gonna call myself a white girl because like I'm half white. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I, 
And so it's, it is, but it's hard um, that there's that historical attachment to the word. And, mm-hmm. and um, I want to be able to rep it, rep it in a better way. You know, yeah. I want to, I want that to change, you know, for the better. And that's, you know, I got my Afakasi jacket. I got my Afakasi earrings. And like, (laughs) and for me, that's because I'm proud to be Samoan, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want that to come across like um, I'm better than you because half of me is white. Mm. Um, Because that's not what. That's not at all how I feel, and that's not what time it is. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and that's not how we were raised either. Like, right. like, and I think maybe that's why I'm so comfortable with the term and, call, and proud to call myself that is because all growing up, my dad always taught us, yeah, to you know, be proud, be, pr- be proud of your culture, um, yeah. um, and be proud of that history. But I know there is that connotation in, in, mm-hmm. involved with it. But hopefully, this is yeah a way to change you're that. reframing it mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly that's what's up i really appreciate that but yeah and also what you said about it being more loosely yeah. used. i i kind of like that it's more inclusive mm. um because you know i know people that are half someone half black they call themselves afakasi mm-hmm. and um I'm I'm glad that that's inclusive. It's not like oh you can't use that term because like your other half ain't white. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. like I don't want that to come across like only white only half whites can use that word. Right, right. You know I want I want anybody to be able to own it that's half Samoan. But I mean it, it just might be that that's what it is within that you know like mm-hmm. like again it's, it's going to be hard to wipe away the history but like yeah. your frame your direction with this you know hopefully. Folks understand that there's this there's this this lane too, mm-hmm. you know. Because even though like I like I have um, mixed blood, you know, my grandma is is Afakasi as well, white presenting, and so I know I I just know the plight. Yeah, of always needing to or, or wanting to be accepted. Yeah, and to be seen in the culture and community, and it's not just her. It's it's like a lot of uh, family. You know, and there is examples of culture being lost, language being lost to this day that sit with, you know, even with me mm-hmm. and the generations after and trying to reclaim that um, because it has been lost. It's it's a struggle, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it shouldn't diminish the fact that we are Samoan. Right. Straight up and down point blank period. And so, yeah, representation is is uh is super important because we can see these variations of ourselves that it's not black or white Mm -hmm. it's not one or the other but that there's a whole spectrum of us that you know go up and down because we have folks who are um you know half other races and or ethnicities and they might be presenting of those ethnicities they they may look more black Mm -hmm. or look more Mexican or Latino and may look more shoot Persian even right. you know there's just a there's just a bunch of different mixes out there and that that should not lessen any of our Samoanness right or the uh, or our other um ethnicities for that matter so yeah I hella appreciate your your perspective with that yeah thank you yeah I think the way I see it is you know just live your truth yeah. You know, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. You can't change that. You can't control yeah. that. So I'm not going to apologize for it. And it's just, I'm just living my truth. 
Mm-hmm. I just am who I am. You know, mm-hmm. that's just the long and the short of it. You know, do you feel like you get a lot of support from our people? I do. Yeah. 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 It's that's so far, you know, the community, both online and yeah. in the Bay, the whole experience has just been really, really positive. Yeah. 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 That's not I'm really just looking through your stuff. I'm like, wow. Because even with how was that experience for you at the PI Wellness, like that mural? Yeah, that mural. So the Pacific Islander Wellness. That was your first one, you said, right? Yeah, that was my first mural, and Tell um, us about it. nice. It's um, it's a mixed PI piece, um, to tau motifs, and the reason why we did mixed is because we wanted there to be representation. We wanted people to feel represented when they came in there. You know, it's the Pacific Islander Wellness Initiative, and so. Um, we wanted Pacific Islanders to feel included. And mm-hmm. what um, motifs do you have in there? So there's um, some from the Malu. I got the jellyfish in there. Mm. And then um, the one thing, the one motif that goes through sort of all the different islands is the tern, the seabird. Mm. And each each island kind of has their own take on it. Um, so I put a lot of different versions of that in there. Mm. Um, and um, you know, the ocean waves, the fish, um, the turtle, which is Hawaiian, mm-hmm. the turtle motif, and um, the octopus tentacles, which you see on a lot across all the islands. Um, and, you know, Fijian, um, like tapa, the flowers from the Fijian tapa, and, uh-huh. um, you know, the Tongan, the pinwheel motif that you see a lot, and... Um, I got a couple of things in there from Papua New Guinea mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so the reason why, so that's in the entryway of their office. And really what my goal was with that was for people walking by, like PI people walking by to see that and be like, oh shit, like yeah. that's my people yeah, in there. Like yeah. what's going on in there? And, yeah. and you know, they had Natalie on the, um, the poly by design podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, she said that a Fijian woman walked in the other day and she was like, Oh, I saw this mural and I was like, what's going on in here? I mean, that's the and best I'm like, way that's to get exa- our attention. <laughs> that's exactly why that yeah. is there, you know? And, it. and it's, um, it's like an abstract. It's supposed to look like the sun setting over the ocean, mm-hmm. which is why I use the colors that I use. Okay. And I wanted that it. Was the next question. Like number one to be um, like uplifting mm-hmm. when people came in and like these bright, like beautiful colors, but yeah. also like reminiscent of the islands mm-hmm. and that feeling you get. I don't know like about you guys, but when I watch the sunset over the ocean, it's like I feel whole. Mm-hmm. you know it's very therapeutic yeah. yeah and i feel like especially for pi people especially for islanders mm-hmm. like and so that's really why that sort of abstract design yeah. that's why i use that sort of abstract design in those colors is because i wanted people to feel warm welcome a familiarity mm. comfortable yeah um especially for the work that they're doing in that office you know offering mental health services yeah, for yeah, the yeah. pi community yeah. it's important to yeah to feel comfortable and feel represented mm. yeah where do you go for like inspiration or like do you like do you have any people that inspire you to like kind of just tap into like more creative stuff when you're like doing arts or do you have like a like do you go back to like looking at your you know your family stuff and does you know just things that you grew up around like with your a lot of it um it just i it's stuff that i just come it comes to me but like with the motifs i learned a lot of them from ce um, and a book that he was a part of as well. 
um, that has a lot of the motifs and their meaning behind them. Mm. Um, so I try to be really um, thoughtful about which ones I use, where I put them. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the motifs in this mural in the bottom, in the blue part, they're all stuff you'd find in the ocean. So there's the jellyfish, there's the turtle, oh, there's right, right. the octopus, um, the waves, and then the stuff up above is stuff you'd find on land or in the sky. So mm-hmm. there's the centipede, there's the um, the sea tern, the seabirds. And um, so I try to be thoughtful about the Word. usage and stuff. But I will say that it's a lot of what I do is contemporary. It's more meant for... Do you know art? Like, I get people asking to have my designs tattooed on them if I would be okay with it. Mm. And for me, that's where I get hesitant because I'm like, you know, this California design I do, it has motifs from both the Pea and the Malu. Mm. And so I want people to be aware of that. And I also think that PI people should get their PI tattoos from PI people. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want people to get a design for me and then take it to anyone. Right. Like I and if you're going to go to a PI tattoo artist, like you should allow them to use their creativity to design their design. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I get, I'm sure I get a lot of people thinking like, hold up, like the people that know the motifs are like you mix in this together. And yeah. but I try to be there's reasoning behind that. Yeah. And I yeah. try to be which is know, the point of like identifying it as contemporary. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's not right. traditional. It's trying to bridge the gap and and be not be something new but just a new take on it mm-hmm. that's dope so what yeah. can we expect from you, from you in 2020 um man i would really like to just continue to create with purpose mm-hmm. um and continue to work with organizations that are um exemplifying my values mm. i'd like to collaborate with other artists that um are sort of in this space too okay and, um, you know, obviously more public art, more murals, bigger mm, yeah. um, in public and more workshops and, and you know, continue to work with Lady Pacifica, too. Like, I would love to write more as well. Mm. Lady Pacifica is out of, is it out of New Zealand? No, I think they're in Honolulu. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah Hawaii. Um, and, yeah, Tolua and her whole team, they're um, doing a lot of work out there for, you know, highlighting pacifica women and mm, that's what's so um and so i'd love to continue to work with them and then also the ccsf pacific island critical studies certificate program mm-hmm. i that's somewhere in my future too i would love to get that certificate yeah. and go through that program i'll go to oh yeah. yeah um yeah. and we have some friends too even like i think of tish when you know she does murals too like i feel like you guys would yeah collab on something totally and, do good damage and murals are you know they're big and yeah. they're hard work so to have more than one person working on that too know. is, is common so uh could you tell us a little bit about uh what you're working on right now because i had seen through your uh stories that you're participating in this uh sketchbook project what's that about yeah um so that's something anybody can do uh-huh but i uh what it is basically is out in Brooklyn, there's a library of sketchbooks. And so what they do is you sign up and you pay for a sketchbook and they send one to you. Mm-hmm. You fill it in and then you send it back and then it lives on their shelves and it has its own call number and everything. So people can go pull them off the shelf, look through them, reference them. And then I think they also travel with them. Mm-hmm. So they'll do these events like all over the U.S. and That's they'll dope. bring them with them. Uh-huh. Um 
And so they do different volumes. So I'm working on one right now. And I wanted to do that because, again, tying back to wishing that I could pull a book off a shelf that had, you know, representation, had my culture in it. And I want to be able to create that. So I'm putting together one that's like a narrative of me and who I am and and hopefully also some designs that come through that will end up in um, designs that I'll make, Mm -hmm. you know, for Afakasi prints Mm -hmm. as well. But um, I wanted to create that so that that uh, that's like a physical book living on a shelf that someone can go to mm-hmm. and and look up and and see, you know, representation. And, Would you recommend that to other young Pacific yeah. Islander, or just not even young, but like Pacific Islander artists? Yeah, like anyone. I mean, it's it's important, I think, mm-hmm. to have that. And then I also signed up for like the digitized version. So what they'll do is they'll photograph every page and upload them to their website. Oh, so there'll dope. be like a link too that people can go to if they want to go through it and see mm-hmm. it. Um, so I'm working on that right now. That's through August, this mm-hmm. volume. And then um, I have another print that I'm working on right now, but it's a secret yeah, because okay. it's a surprise for my dad. And then nice. once I surprise him with it, I'll open it up to be available uh, for purchase. Uh-huh. Um, but that's, so that's something I'm working on too. And then, um, yeah, I would love to be a part of, you know, like entrepreneur panels mm. or like business. That's panels. something I want to ask you about before we wrap up. Right. I want to ask you about because you're essentially an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, this is Afakasi Prince is a business. Yes. And you're creating content for your business. Um, what could you share with us about being in the business and and maybe even offer up some tips? Because, you know, Bex and I are thinking about uh, ways in which we can level up yeah. <laughs> and, you know get i gotta some... get my for the cultures <laughs> merch yeah. yeah some merch you know so like what what can you tell us about your experiences and what advice can you give us so one thing i would say is it's difficult for i think the toughest part is people understanding the pricing um and why my cost of my goods are what they are mm-hmm. i know that's what sends people away Mm. is like pricing and it's hard to portray what goes into handmade um so that's why i try to put on my instagram like what goes into it you know the carving and the printing and the the reason why Mm. my prices are the way that they are and it's tough because people will compare you to you know prices uh, will compare like my hand printed prints to digital prints Mm. and those are very different and there's a reason why digital prints are so much more affordable um and then i also get compared to people doing the same thing as me they'll be like this hand printed print is more affordable and i think the honest truth is is that most artists are undercharging they're only charging for the cost of goods Mm. um they're not paying themselves an hourly wage Mm. and so like my my the biggest piece of advice that I got before I started Afakasi Prince was start off paying yourself an hourly wage because if you don't, you never will. Mm. And it's just the difficulty that comes but with. But what do you mean? What do you mean about paying yourself an like hourly wage? Like building that into the cost of the good to make sure that you're getting paid for the hours that you're putting into creating the design. So how, how would you how, give us an example like of maybe because I remember I got the cards off of you. Mm-hmm. And I think the card was like 12 bucks. 
or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like 10 to 11. Yeah, 10 to 11. I was like, you know, I'm supporting right now. This, it is. It was expensive, yeah, I but didn't, it was all about the support. But how do you factor in the paying yourself into the price? Yeah. So it's like you have your cost of goods and your cost of materials, and then you have the cost of your overhead of, um, you know, what, you know, whether you have a studio space, if you pay a rent, that kind of stuff, you know, my website fees mm-hmm. um, and that on top of, you know, if how much hours get put into something and what I would want to be paid for those hours. And then that number is really half of what you should charge because you want to make a profit on top of paying yourself an hourly wage and, you know, the cost of goods. And so, like, I saw one um, one artist, a Samoan girl that I follow, and she does, she um, hand paints, like, the Christmas ornaments. Mm. And she was selling them by the dozen, and she put something up that was, like, for people asking me to drop the price, she spelled it out for them. And she was like, this is how much I pay for these goods, and it takes me this many hours to make them. And she was coming out in the negative because she wasn't paying herself for like it takes she I think she said it takes her like nine hours or something to paint a dozen of them. Mm. And she wasn't even. So that's just nine hours of like unpaid work, basically. And I think and then it's hard because then if you want to include that into your pricing to make sure that you're you're paying yourself, then that's why the that's why it's so much more expensive. I think people forget I'm not Amazon, you know, like. And I think it's interesting to have people think about pricing because, you know, I know Etsy encouraged their sellers to offer free shipping mm-hmm. because they wanted to compete with Amazon. And so basically what they told Etsy sellers to do was in just add the shipping prices into your cost. And so basically raise your prices. Yeah. And I saw a, um, an artist post a, a poll on her stories and she was like, would you guys rather pay $15 for an item plus $5 shipping or $20 for an item and free shipping. Like 98% of the people were like the latter. Even though they're paying, they're still paying $20 either way, but it's just the way it's perceived. And so I think Amazon. You get something free. Yeah. yeah. And Amazon has like trained us to be like, ooh, free shipping. Or to the point that like, you know, as an artist and as a small business owner, it's so hard to compete against that type of mentality. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's the toughest part is, and trying to educate people on why. But how did you know this? Did you know this going into this or? It's, you know, I, I, before I started off Akasi Prince, I, there's a woman who wrote a book who runs her own creative business. She ran her own Etsy and she wrote a book all about it. And I read through that and, you know, there's a lot of stuff on there about pricing mm, and stuff. And okay. so I tried to educate myself, but it is also still a learning experience. Word. Um, once your products are out in the world, mm-hmm. you know, you see what people are willing to pay and. And you try to, um, you know, be able to bring realistic prices for people. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the toughest part. If I had to give a piece of advice, I'd say don't be afraid to jump out there. Like, don't be afraid to reach out to that contact or say yes to that event. Like, I always imagine the worst case scenario. And if. Like, imagine the worst case scenario. If that worst case scenario happens, are you still going to survive, number one? Number two, would it have still been worth it? Mm. And, like, 99% of the time, the answer is, yes, it would have been worth it. And um, so, you know, don't let that stop you. Because if you know you can survive the worst case scenario and it still would have been worth it, anything that does actually happen 
in between, you'll be fine. Mm. You know, it'll mm. have been worth it. And um, so don't be afraid to, you know, jump out there and yeah, do the damn thing. <laughs> I mean, I could dig it. You know, you are doing the damn thing and you jumping out there full force. And I, I could dig it. I really appreciate I, I respect it. Um, and so to close us out, the question I have for you is, you know, what do you hope for Af- Afakasi Prince moving into the new decade? Yeah, new decade. It's a whole new decade coming up. and Yeah, I hope that um, I can just continue, like I said, continue to work with purpose, create with purpose, mm. um, bring myself into spaces where um, my values are uh, being exemplified and and continue to build into this community work with the community yeah but like <laughs> like afakasi like is afakasi prince it or like what what are you what is is it going to be a ladder to something else yeah you, you know, know what do you hope i don't know i don't know where it will take me hey, that's, um that's an honest answer right all there. i know <laughs> is that it's taking i know i'm going in the right direction that's what's up. um but you know I a big thing I want to get involved in is like the Polynesian festival circuit, mm-hmm. um, getting like a booth at those events and, and, um, see where that goes to. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like collaborating with other artists and see where that might take me. And, yeah. But my biggest, my biggest, um, goal is to do more public art, more murals. murals. And, yeah. Cause that's where representation really hits the hardest Hell yeah. is in public spaces. That would be really dope. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know we've taken a lot of your time today and we can go on and on. But thank you so much for your time and your energy to have this conversation yeah, with thank us. Thank you, guys. I feel like we really got a new perspective that I haven't heard, in a, you know, before on this platform that we've um worked with and so yeah it's just really great to have you how can how can folks get in touch with you yeah so um i have a website afakasiprince.com and then also my instagram mm-hmm. handle which is at afakasiprince um and then yeah you can reach out to me there i answer all my dms unless you're just like some guy trying to hit me up <laughs> <laughs> don't get crazy yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's also how folks can hit you up if they want to like con uh, what do they call that? Commission you to do work or? Yeah. If you want to book like a workshop or a mural, um, you can reach me through there or um, there's a contact page on my website. And then also my emails off of at gmail.com. Perfect. That's what's up. Y'all look out for her, follow her, follow the business and stay tapped in y'all. And as always with us, you can tap in with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Photo Cultures with a Q and a S. And if you want to hit us up, you got something to say, shoot us an email, photocultures at gmail.com. Um, yeah. So again, thank you very much to Amanda of Afakasi Prince for being here. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been really great. And thank you for being such an avid listener. You know, you always showing us love and mm. And it's great to finally get you on the show and hopefully yeah, we can yeah, collaborate yeah. in the future. You yeah, know, we for we're sure. looking to like level merch. up. Yeah, looking to level up and even beyond merch, do like events and things like mm-hmm. that. So there's plenty, there's plenty of room for create for creating content mm-hmm. for our community. Um, so do you have anything, partner? No, no, that's it. I was just sending you the um, 
there's a show in Milpitas that's happening right now that will have a hell of people selling merch. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, uh, the way we like to close out the episode is to do a quote for the cultures. Mm. And so uh, do you happen to have a quote for us to send us home? I did. So I, it's another piece by Kim Davalos, um, oh. also in her book. So this is one that I selected for closing us out. Where best do you find your energy to thrive? Exist there. KD. Okay. <laughs> KD been killing it all mm-hmm. day. I'm I'm my cup is full with these two uh with these two <laughs> quotes for today. Uh power to the people, y'all. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Yep. Tap in with us next time. Peace, love, and happiness. Bye. Bye. <laughs> What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture.